Computer, initialize Holosuite. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Random Trek Review. It's the podcast where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episodes. My name is Andrew, and I'll be joined by my good buddy Matt this week, who, uh, Matt, you're looking a little bit drunk, and uh, I'm also just a little bit curious, are you going to do the entire podcast uh, shirtless, or uh, are you going to, uh, you know, maybe put your top back on? Wait, what? Oh, how did I get my, uh, how did my shirt get, uh, my uniform get misplaced? Yeah. I guess I'll have to go find it. It's one of those uh, podcasts. We are uh, going to have a little naked time, which uh, uh, normally would uh, raise a few Spockian eyebrows. But, uh, of course, we are looking at the original series episode, The Naked Time. Yeah, our listeners will be gratified to know that uh, we don't do a like zoo video uh, of our podcast. So uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no YouTube. There will link. be no uh, you know shirtless uh, videos of us circulating the internet. So that's probably not a bad thing. Uh, and of course, that is uh, my episode this week. And so you get the honorable distinction of uh, breaking down my recall from this episode and uh, giving me a nice little score out of. Five complex chain of molecules. It was actually quite good. Um, I think you knew. I think you had a pretty good idea which one this was. You uh, you talked about a virus that infects the Enterprise. Uh, you mentioned the sequel episode uh, in next the the next generation episode, Naked Now, and you talked about how people were uh, acting strangely. You mentioned the scene with the. Um, the spacesuits, which was pretty impressive. You mentioned that their like sort of inhibitions were lifted, and then there that led to the famous uh, Sulu scene with no shirt and the the fencing foil. Uh, and then you mentioned that Spock ends up solving it and finding a cure, which isn't really true. It was more McCoy that found the cure. But um, because I, I was, I would say I would give you four out of five. But since you got the scene with the hazmat suits, which was like really specific, but is also dead on. Uh, I'm going to give you a score of five complex chains of molecules out of five. Five out of five. Very nice. And for me, with the original series, that might be a uh, that might be a one and only. So I am definitely uh, pleased with that. It might be a one and only for both of us. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, if you uh, have never seen this one, or maybe you uh, got flip reversed and actually went and watched the naked now uh, i've got a little recap for you this is very early days original series season one episode five it aired all the way back on september the 29th 1966 and it guest stars bruce hyde as lieutenant kevin thomas riley major barrett as nurse christine chapel Stuart moss as lieutenant joe tormelon william knight as anonymous crewman and John Belia as Laughing Crewman. It was written by John D.F. Black, and it was directed by Mark Daniels. The synopsis goes something like this. Spock and Lieutenant Joe Tormelin are investigating a Hoth-like planet when Tormelin breaks rule number one of investigating a contamination area. He removes his gloves and mask to scratch his nose. 
He unwillingly contracts a strange illness and brings it back to the Enterprise where their contamination fields and medical evaluations miss the infection. He suddenly starts to become irrationally angry and eventually attempts suicide before being stopped by another crewman and Sulu. They save him from performing harikari on himself, but they too become infected. Sulu goes shirtless and runs around the decks of the Enterprise, waving a fencing sword to and fro, while the random crewman, Thomas Riley, takes over engineering and shuts down the engines while singing Irish drinking songs. It wouldn't be much of a problem if the planet wasn't shrinking and sucking the ship towards it into its gravity. With only minutes to spare, Kirk and Scotty regain control of engineering, but alas, don't have enough time to start the engine safely. They go to get Spock's help, only to find that he has been overcome uh, emotionally as he is infected by the virus himself from Nurse Chapel. Luckily, the good Dr. McCoy is able to produce a cure just in the nick of time and save the command crew just long enough to save the ship. This is an episode that I think that it's safe to say we've both seen. Uh, I think that I would probably put it into kind of classics territories. Um, what is your overall impression or overall memory of this particular episode, Matt? And is it does it deserve kind of the fame that it has? Or is it really just kind of like that one scene and the fact that they redid it in the next generation that makes it so memorable? That's an interesting question. Now, as far as how many times I've seen it, I think this might only be the second time I've seen it because I don't think I did see it prior to going back a few years ago and watching all of the original series. So I haven't actually seen it that much, even though it is generally classified as sort of a classic original series episode. I don't know if it really is. To me, this is sort of a prototypical one, but it just has a few really funny parts to it which is a bit unusual for an original series they didn't really dig into the comedy bits all that much so i think that's maybe why this one stands out a little bit more is because it is a much different and of course you know that one sulu thing has been like immortalized beyond imagination uh that scene you know that picture of him you know running around the corridors with no shirt on and a fencing foil so I mean, it's, 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 it is generally considered to be classic, and I think it's just because of its, it's, it's a very different episode. I think that in 2021, if you are a meme, then you've kind of made it, and that's how I kind of feel with the whole Sulu thing, and that's probably where everyone remembers it from. There must have been at least a little bit something more to it, though, because... I don't know that they would revisit this in Next Generation if it was just a, you know, ju just a popular because of that one particular scene. I think they like the idea of everybody running around drunk and, and, and kind of throwing inhibition to the wind. So I do think there, there maybe is a little bit more. I don't know that the Sulu thing was really super, super popular until kind of the advent of you know, the forms and the internet and Reddit and, and those kinds of things. And so I think that they, they like this idea. And I mean, for me, I think I've only probably seen it a couple of times, but it's one of the episodes that, I mean, save maybe one thing that we'll get into. It's pretty standard stuff, right? They get infected. Everybody kind of goes a bit zany, a bit crazy, and they have to, you know, save everything in, in the nick of time, which is pretty standard Star Trek stuff. But I think it's that whole drinking drunk 
acting drunk thing that everybody kind of is tied to. I think I read that they like the idea of having, the, and the, you mentioned that this is very early on in the run and the Next Generation one is actually the first episode after the pilot. And I think that Gene Roddenberry and the other producers, they like the idea of the viewer getting a look at how these people are without their inhibitions to give to try to give a little bit of sort of insight into the character but when you have them running around acting drunk is that really who they are or really what they're like you know like are you really like if i were to get totally wasted and did a podcast i'm gonna probably act quite a bit differently than i do ordinarily so are you really getting that much insight into who i am if i'm doing a podcast completely drunk I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I think it brings up an interesting kind of psychological argument. I, I do know that some people believe that, you know, when you're drunk, you are just basically yourself dialed up to 11. So that if you are somebody who gets really angry or if you get really silly, that's really who you are at your core. And it's really just the drinking that is breaking that inhibition. I don't know that I necessarily prescribe to it because I, I do feel like there are some people who get you know, they're angry drunks, but they're really not angry people. It's just something that kind of happens to them. And, and I, I, I mean, I, I think that it, the verdict is still out on that as well. Um, I also kind of feel like in this scenario too, like when Sulu wakes up from it, he doesn't seem to remember any of it. Whereas most times when you go drinking, unless you get really kind of blackout drunk, um, like usually you are somewhat like somewhat aware of what you're doing. It's such a weird thing to kind of talk about. And I don't know that necessarily I've ever really discussed it, but like it is true when you're drinking, you're still yourself and you're still, you're still doing the things that you normally would say or do. Like, I don't think that, you know, you're not going to drink and then go on like a murderous rampage or something if it's not within your nature. But it's a very difficult thing to kind of quantify, right? And everybody does have kind of a different experience as well. So this particular thing, and, and I, it's a, I always thought it was a virus, but they say it's kind of like a, ch a complex chain of molecules that was affecting the water. That's why the, the Enterprise wasn't able to pick up on it. I mean, but that doesn't really matter as much, I guess. And I guess the thing here is that it's like you're super, super drunk or your inhibitions are gone it's mostly that part of the drinking that it affects i guess you can get blackout drunk i i don't know <laughs> if that's ever happened to me but that but i don't but then again there are a few times i've gone drinking and i don't remember so don't remember what happened yeah <laughs> well i mean usually too though like if that does happen it's not as defined as in this situation because sulu wakes up and he's like the last thing i remember i was at the con or whatever he says yeah yeah so it's like true. almost like it's instantaneous yeah yeah <laughs> i think one of the other interesting things about this episode just as we kind of shift into the background development section this is what some people say is the first star trek bottle show there isn't like a crazy villain there isn't like a a plot line where it involves another civilization or an alien species. It's really a, a character study and it's looking at most of your main characters, some of your side characters uh, and their dealings with a problem or with a scenario. The episode takes place essentially entirely on the ship with the exception of Spock uh, and Tomlin at the very beginning, which was just the teaser. And for some reason, I do think that fans like that a lot i know that we've talked about bottle sh shows on the in the past you know everyone has their favorites and so 
the original series didn't do a ton of bottle shows. And so the fact that this one is kind of the first and it is such a character driven episode, I think maybe it's one of the ways of kind of endearing the show to the fans early on. And now as we go back and look at it, we ha- it holds a special place in our hearts. What do you think about that? Well, just to, to get to the first, is this the first bottle show? I mean, it probably is because if you think about the first couple episodes of the original series before that, it's there's the man trap, which has that crazy creature. There's Charlie X, which has that like whiz kid that can do all these crazy things as mine. There's no, where no man has gone before, which is, um, I think was the one with Decker, I think. So yeah, like if, if you think about that, I mean, this one comes right after that. So it very well could be the first bottle show of Star Trek we've had. Yeah, like some of those, like the bottle shows, they tend to be pretty good. And, and like you say, a lot of fans really take to them. And uh, I think maybe that is part of the reason why this one is so well liked. Because like you say, there's always some crazy planet that they're going down to or some crazy alien that they've got to deal with or... Um, you know, uh, the squire of Gothos who knows yeah. up to all his crazy tricks. Um, so, yeah, this, I mean, this probably is the first one. And uh, I think maybe that's why it's such so well regarded. And I think that this is one of the episodes of the original series, especially in the first season, where we really stretch out our legs and we see a lot of the ship. We get the conference room, we get the rec room for the first time, we get the bridge and the hospital area, and we have kind of like that, when they first come back, they're on like that tipping up bed, which is kind of uh, in the medical bay, like the the transporter room. Uh, You've got the engineering section. I think at one point, Sulu goes up like a ladder randomly and stuff. So you're really getting to see a lot of the ship, which of course everybody loves as well. And so there's a lot of things going for this particular episode. Uh, Now, just kind of curling back to the the background stuff, um, the person who wrote this, J.D. Black, um, was actually pretty upset with Gene Roddenberry because Gene Roddenberry kind of took his idea and said thanks a lot, and then rewrote a whole chunk of it. We've talked about this before, and if you've read that 50 Years of Trek, you know that Gene Roddenberry was not an easy person to uh, work with, and uh, he was always kind of had all of his fingers in all the different pies and things like that. So I wasn't really surprised to see it, um, although I will say that of all the episodes that Roddenberry uh, either wrote or kind of rewrote, this is probably one of my more favorite ones. Sometimes when Gene gets in there, you can kind of see some of the Roddenberryisms come about. And this one, I feel like it's a little bit more uh, muted or a little bit more downplayed. Well, think about the sequel to this. I mean, he added all kinds of Roddenberryisms to the naked now. Yes, very true. Uh, to a point, I was actually kind of reading about this a little bit because. I was I noticed that uh, the guy who wrote this episode got a, the story credit for the next generation episode, but it was actually the, the the screenplay was actually written by uh, DC Fontana, oh, okay. which you know wrote on the original series. But she was so disgusted by the changes that Ronberry made, she actually removed her name from it and used a, a pseudonym. <laughs> oh wow! Ronberry rewrote a script. Say it isn't so. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really super surprising there, I guess. Uh, I mean, speaking of Roddenberry, we can maybe kind of just do a nice little transition. His wife, Major Barrett, uh, this is her first appearance in the original series as Nurse Chapel, which I thought was kind of a cool one. And this is something that is 
if you were going to, I mean, not that you can go to the bar where we live right now, but if you could go to the bar for like a Star Trek trivia night, this is such an excellent little piece of trivia that I feel like nobody would ever be able to get. Um, and it's surprising that Roddenberry had so much writing on this script. This is the only episode where the three, I'm going to put them in kind of semi-quotes here, the three main female characters of the series, which are Uhura, Chapel, and Rand, all appear together. Now that is insane. That is pretty wild. I would not have known that. Uh, and not only the fact that it, this is not the first time, this is the only time. I would have bought that this was the first time and I probably would have been able to maybe guess got that if I was put on the spot, but for to be the only one, that's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty crazy. I, that's hard to believe. Yeah, it definitely kind of rings true. Have you ever heard of the Betchel test? Uh, I haven't actually. So the Betchel test is basically like if you watch a movie, they, they can kind of put on a ranking system for the female characters. And so it's kind of like the female characters, how many lines do they have? And uh, of the lines they have, how often are they talking about men or talking about uh, like male characters? And so they kind of apply it to a lot of action movies and stuff like that, where where female characters typically play like, you know, the damsel in distress or what have you. Um, and I feel like these early Star Trek, well, obviously now seeing that, I don't know that any original series episode would ever pass the Betchel test, because if this is the only episode <laughs> where the three main female characters show up and they don't even speak to one another, um, I can almost guarantee you that there is no other episodes where they have lines uh, where they're talking to one another. And if they are, they're probably talking about how hunky Kirk is or how Nurse Chapel loves Spock or something. And um, as progressive as we all think kind of Star Trek, the original series was now kind of going back with our 2021 goggles. Uh, yeah, we definitely probably needed a few more female characters or female main characters anyway. Yeah, I think that's probably true. All right, Matt, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this one because, uh, I mean, it is a classic episode by, you know, internet standards, by uh, form standards, but we got to watch these and see if they kind of hold up today. And uh, you and I have had kind of a tumultuous relationship with, the original series. I don't know that we've had a lot of five-star classic original series episodes. I would say there's like a handful that I would give five out of five to. In the whole in the whole run. Yeah, they, they, they do exist, but they're they're kind of fleeting. Yeah, in a weird way, we're always kind of more tied to the movies, I guess. Uh, when I was growing up and when you were growing up, they were always playing those movies on kind of like afternoon television. Really... Only recently that I've really kind of gone back and tried to watch some of these uh, episodes. So, uh, I mean, this is a great teaser. Uh, we get kind of the frozen planet, which looks really good. And we get the freaky, the freaky uh, hazmat suits, which apparently were made out of shower curtains. Would you have been able to pick that up, uh, Matt? Or <laughs> I, I had no idea what those were made out of. Um, I had no idea that shower curtains were like red and gold patterned. Uh, in the 60s. I had no idea. Yeah, I think that my grandparents <laughs> might have had that set. So that definitely kind of... I like, too, that, like, your vision is blocked because there were, like, those gold ringlets that were over the, the clear part of your face. Yeah, it was bizarre. Like, like I when I was sort of first Googled this, I saw, like, a screen capture of Spock wearing that 
the suit and i thought that like oh does he like lose his mind and he's like going through some like vulcan ritual and that's like the garb that they wore i had no idea that that was to be a space suit or a hazmat suit yeah no it, it, it's definitely <laughs> not as good as the folian web way back in like episode two i want to say of rtr um, and the suits there were kind of a little bit cheesy, but they were still pretty good. They at least were like silver or like gray and actually had like a little face guard. Yeah, thing. exactly. And I mean, I think that if we had gotten this episode a year and three months ago, I would have 100% said that, you know, Tormalan taking his gloves off to scratch his face is totally unbelievable, totally stupid. and. Uh, you know, I have to expend my my disbelief way too far. But after living the last year plus uh, in a pandemic, I can totally believe this. I can totally see somebody taking off their protective gloves, reaching up under their protective face mask and scratching their nose, which is, I mean, I guess, you know what? Star Trek's ahead of its time. Is that what you thought when you saw that scene, Matt? I was like cringing. You know, <laughs> it, It's something that like would probably seem innocuous. Uh, if you're not sort of in living through the current time and you're very conscious and very sensitive about like, oh, no, don't like don't take your glove off. Don't scratch your nose because like we're not even supposed to do that, you know, spacesuit or no spacesuit. You know, it's like that one of the things that we've been advised to do is not to touch our face unless we've, you know, cleaned our hands. And, you know, I was just like, no, what are you doing? Why are you yeah. taking your glove off and touching your face? I mean, I saw I was watching a, a just like a sitcom the other day and uh, the person comes into work and they're like coughing and sneezing and everybody at work is like, oh, like just and I was like thinking about how, yeah, that always was kind of stupid, right? When people go into work coughing and sneezing and then three days later, everybody gets sick. So, I mean, when Tomlin touches like that little, he just kind of touches the snow. Yeah, I totally believed it. I was like, yeah, I could totally, I, I know exactly the kind of person that would do this kind of thing. So um, I was definitely on board with it. I watched Contagion. Uh, I, I feel like it was not that long ago, but it could have been months ago. Who knows? But it, within the last year and at the very beginning, I don't know if you remember, but there's like all these close-ups of like, a got one guy touches like a rail or a, a bar in the subway. And then the, another person touches the same one. And it really zooms in on their hands being, you know, living through this pandemic. You're just like, Oh, don't do God, it. that's like, it's like the, 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 the germs that are being spread and the viruses that are being spread. And, and they're like the whole, like first probably five minutes of that movie is just people constantly like touching things. And then someone else touches it. And it really zooms in on like, the hands. Yeah, it's a it's a germaphobe's worst nightmare. Yeah, and I mean this was kind of the same thing because yeah, you're you know that there's something you know some disease or virus is about to be uh, spread. If you're a germaphobe, the only thing worse than watching the first few minutes of Contagion is eating a lunch and then having somebody tell you that they made it in their shower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prepared <laughs> Kramer. I prepared this while I bathed. <laughs> All right, now let's uh, let's jump back to the episode. We come back, and I think, well, I mean, I, I'm assuming anyway, this has got to be the first time that we really kind of get the con not the contagion protocols, but they basically do a medical mock-up on Spock and Tom when they come back. They kind of do a couple tests, and they've got that weird computer thing where there's like the the different levels that they're testing. I guess it was all pretty 
it was all pretty good, I guess. The transporter thing, remember the decontamination thing in the transporter? That was like psychedelic. Like I almost had a seizure at watching that. Yeah, and I guess like this is supposed <laughs> to be this is supposed to be kind of the next level after what we saw in the Enterprise series where you had to go in the little room and sit in there in your underwear while they decontaminated the you. This is supposed to be, I guess, more sophisticated. You just have to take your over shirt off and leave your undershirt on but they can do all the work on that i honestly never knew that you had they had like those black like under armor shirts on underneath the like kind of ranking colored sweaters um i don't think that i ever noticed that i didn't rec yeah i didn't remember that either yeah it was interesting i also really liked that tip up bed i kind of like sometimes if you know if you work out too hard <laughs> the next day you kind of almost wish that you were on one of these beds where you could just kind of tip you tip yourself off or if you're just old <laughs> yeah i mean i guess that is like the ultramatic bed anyway but this one you just like tip it up and you can just walk just right walk off right off it. yeah and then the next guy just stands <laughs> on and they tip you back i thought it was like way ahead of its time right absolutely forget the next generation uh coming up with the ipad like how about get these beds on the go absolutely i would i would love to have a, a tip up bed as we are into the kind of the first few moments here in the episode i feel like they did such a great job of slow burning that the infection is kind of slowly entering his bloodstream i guess or it's kind of going up his hand uh, they've got joe kind of scratching and he's rubbing his hands a lot. yeah and it, it seems almost like he it's kind of moving its way up his arm like when he's in the galley later he's kind of like scratching his arm and stuff i think that that was all really well done i feel like uh the nurse as well as bones probably should have noticed that he was acting slightly awry especially since he just came back from an away mission but um i do love this kind of slow we know that he's infected right like we saw it at the very beginning and so we can just kind of see him slowly slipping away. And they do such a great job of it when he comes back. He goes to the galley, I guess it is. Uh, and Sulu and a couple other people are there having lunch and stuff. And we get such a great look of like a day in the life of the Enterprise while he is kind of coming unglued. It was kind of a cool uh, scene where we get... Like there were those, those, that one small group sort of off to the side that didn't really do anything. And then there's, you know, Sulu and Riley and this other guy, they're sort of hanging out, having lunch. Uh, it was kind of uh, an interesting look. And I imagine that because this is, you know, pretty early on in the run, it would have been kind of cool to see this like right off the bat that like, you know, these guys are, you know, they're, they're, they're like the rest of us, you know, they got to take, take a lunch break and go and they, they eat and hang out and chit chat. And, you know, it, it's a, it was a pretty cool scene. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like the camaraderie here, uh, I don't know that, do we see that Riley guy ever again? Maybe not, but I feel like the camaraderie and, and the chatter and stuff is very realistic and, and I'm, I'm believing it as, as I'm watching it, even that side table you were mentioning, I felt that the characters were very, they were reacting in a in the correct way or the way that people would react. Um, I also thought that the way that Joe kind of panics about being in space, like after seeing, I think they said there were six people that had been killed down on the planet. And then he starts to have some doubts about like, wait, why are we even doing this? It, it's, you know, one of those things, right? If, if man were intended to fly, God would have given you wings. Like he even mentioned something similar to that, right? How like, there's no air out here. We need spacesuits and... Uh, life support systems and he really has like what i would say is a panic attack i thought that that was a very well done very realistic 
kind of interpretation about somebody who who is panicking. <laughs> it's a very sort of like existential thing, and he makes some very good points though. And um, I mean, I don't mean to uh, digress here, but the the show The Expanse, which I I've right hooked on back in probably November and December it really depicts like the perils of being in space very well. Um, and that's something that I think is always very glossed over in Star Trek. Like you never really feel like anyone's really in danger or getting sucked into a vacuum or the, the thing in the expanse that they always sort of emphasize is that like, if you get jettisoned, even if you're in a spacesuit, space is so vast and so huge no one is going to be able to find you in that spacesuit before you run out of air because there's, there's no way, you know, because it's like because the, the distances are just so huge. And if you go spinning or flying off off of, out of a ship or whatever, you're you know, you're you're done for really. Yeah, I remember reading, actually, remember Apollo 13? That was the, the mission where the the spaceship was damaged and they basically had to, like, come back to Earth after slingshotting around the moon, they did the Tom Hanks movie. They'd like patch it up just with whatever they had. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of stayed in the, in the moon module or what have you. I remember reading that, like, if you go to space, part of your like kit that you take with you is like a suicide pills. So that if there is a situation where like you miss the earth or you bounce off the atmosphere and you're going to just basically be in space that like the actual plan is just commit suicide because the psychological impact of being like lost in space, it will just make you go insane. And so that's actually part of the training where like, Oh, if you can't make it back, then you just have to kind of commit suicide. And that's, I mean, as morbid and as grim as that is, it is the way like that's the best thing for you. <laughs> and I think that, for that reason and for those reasons we just kind of mentioned, I think Star Trek doesn't do that because it's supposed to be positive and a positive outlook. And so the, the, the dire and the morbid and reality of space is always kind of kept to the low key. Uh, but these little hints, right, like this little panic attack that Joe has kind of just draws that little bit of attention back to it. And I think they do a really great job with it. He even goes so far so he's going to commit suicide, which I guess, are we... in? supposed to believe that each of the different people who become infected are a different kind of version of drunk. Joe is the depressed drunk. And then you've got, uh, you know, Riley, he ends up with the Irish drinking songs. He's kind of like the fun drunk. Uh, you know, Sulu's whipping the sword around. He's like the angry drunk. Is, is that what we're supposed to take away from this? Or is it kind of just they're trying to tell us about each of the characters? Maybe. Um, I never really thought of that. But yeah, you're right. There are, we do get very different uh, reactions to this virus and very different reactions to having your inhibitions lifted and essentially being intoxicated. So yeah, that's, kind of, that's a very interesting way to, to look at it because, you know, Joe's reaction to this was, yeah, like <laughs> very philosophical, very existential. And like you say, he ends up like pulling a knife on these guys and then ends up trying to like stab himself with it. And then, and yeah, it was, yeah, he was, he's definitely sort of the depressed kind of drunk by the, by the looks of it. Yeah, and then later in the episode, we get Nurse Chapel, who's kind of like the lovelorn drunk, who, whatever, opining. But anyway, I do love that this attempted suicide angle brings about a realistic way that the virus transfers, because we find out later in the episode that it is transferred via touch. And so they needed to come up with a way of ever, the other two, Sulu and Riley, touching him. 
And so they are going to grab him to kind of try to stop him, which I thought was a really great thing. I also loved the idea that he actually accidentally falls on the knife, stabbing himself. And so for us, the viewers, we're left thinking, oh, is it a bloodborne illness? Is it a touch? Is it aerosol? Like, we don't know at this point in the episode, which I thought was actually a really nice added kind of feature. Yeah, it's true. It wasn't really clear because... Um... You know, at that point, he was the only one infected. So you're like, well, is it through, like, the air or, or transmitted through the air? And, yeah, like, because he did end up stabbing himself, it's not. it could have been blood. It could have been touch. You're still not quite sure. So, yeah, it's, it, was, it was well done to kind of keep you guessing and not really make it perfectly clear right away how it's transmitted. Yeah, they did a really great job, actually, with how the virus is transferred and, and how the whole system works. The only part that I'd say I kind of disagree with and I didn't really love uh, is that Joe dies and there's a scene where McCoy actively says that, you know, these wounds aren't really that bad. This shouldn't really be affecting him this much. There's no reason for why he should be dying here and then he dies. Anyway, that doesn't really fit with the rest of the episode and the rest of how the viruses acts. What were your thoughts on that? Or did, did I miss a line or did I miss a scene? Because I feel like there was something that was not, not there. Like I missed something or there, it doesn't fit with the rest of it. I just took that he, he died because he just had given up on living. Cause like the way he was talking, it was almost like he just lost the will to live or didn't want to go on anymore. Oh, the Padme death. Exactly. Yes, that's that's correct. <laughs> yep. So actually, it should be Padme had the Joe death. Yeah, yeah, true enough. George Lucas was watching this particular episode. Was like, ah, I like that. That's a great way to go. I just love how we can just slowly see the different uh, contagions spreading around. Kind of like what you were just mentioning with the, the beginning of that. Uh, that's Matt Damon, isn't it? Yes. That movie? Yeah. So we see after Sulu and Riley get back to their stations on the bridge, now they are kind of doing the itchy hand, the scratchy arm, and they seem that they're infected. So we have put the two and two together, right? They've been infected by the galley. And so Sulu, he's going to go play hooky, right? He's going to go down the rec area. Wasn't he going to the gym? Didn't he? Wasn't he like, the, sorry, the gym. Yeah. I, wasn't he like, I'm going to, I'm going to go hit the gym. He's going to go hit the <laughs> gym. And then very shortly thereafter, Riley starts into what will eventually end up being pretty much an episode full of singing and uh, these, these, these drinking songs. And he's going on about being Irish and stuff like that. Yeah. These are, these beats are all working for me. I love the slow burn. I love that. We're kind of seeing the pieces come together but it also kind of does have a bit of a jovial kind of funny i don't know they just it's hard to describe because that joe guy dies but then the next scene with sulu and riley like then i'm laughing but then it's like serious because the ship's in danger but i don't know like they did a very good job of balancing uh, a couple of different things oh it was totally yeah you're right like they they did sort of jump back and forth between this like you know silly college drunk kind of thing where you know Sulu and him are like sort of like leaning over to each other and being like you know let's 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 skip out and head to the gym and Riley's like I don't know if we should do that and Sulu just like you know Spock's got his like back turned and he just bolts to the turbo lift yeah and then then you know later and then we get the sort of more serious stuff with you know Nurse Chapel and and Spock later on so they they kind of did a good job of like sort of jumping between the two just to keep it 
keep it pretty well balanced between the sort of silly and the serious. Now, the only thing that I would say from a armchair quarterback perspective is that they don't really put into place any sort of quarantine protocols. They don't do any social distancing, masks, suits, anything like that. Uh, after we get this scene where Sulu kind of goes nuts, Riley kind of goes nuts, they know that maybe he, they've been in contact with Joe or they know that Joe at least has has something awry and he was just on that mission. I felt like maybe they should have implemented some quarantining or at least done something. Uh, I, I didn't love that they the command crew anyway and the people making the decisions seemed a little bit oblivious is that the word maybe like did you think that maybe they should have maybe pieced two and two and two together here it was a little bit strange that they yeah that they didn't they didn't think that like okay maybe there's something wrong like sulu just bolted from his station riley's holed up in engineering singing over the intercom and having taken control of the ship, like at that point, it's like, okay, and you know, this Joe guy has just mysteriously died. Yeah, the the lack of sort of quarantine and, and containment protocols was a little bit puzzling. That was the one part of the episode that I was kind of like scratching my head about. It's one of those small things, and maybe it's partially because, again, just going back to the fact that we are so aware of of kind of like viral transmissions and stuff right now that it, it just is so apparent i think that it's still working the episode is still kind of cruising along there was something in the health bay or the sick bay that i really liked um when riley goes down there because i think he, spock sends him and he, he's still at a point where he can take orders well enough that you know he's kind of doing the thing where he's going down the hallway and he's checking out the girls and he, he's just it's funny actually because like when he's going down the hallway, he's like touching everything. And I feel like that is a very like accurate and astute thing. Like when you're drunk, you seem like you're sense like you're you're like, ooh, what's you know, like, ooh, what's this? Like you touch things or you run your hand down the wall. Like I just thought that was really well acted. Um, and then when he goes in to see Nurse Chapel, he kind of like pokes her in the back, which is not really uh, the appropriate way to treat the nurse. But I also like that we got like a very specific music cue. It's kind of like this, almost like Jason Voorhees. And it's when he touches her. And so then now we now know, okay, it's touch, right? Before it was ambiguous. Now we're a little bit further on the story. Okay, now we know it's touch. So now we have to follow Nurse Chapel and we can, whoever she touches, we know is going to be infected. And the same with Sulu and the same with Riley. So that's really good. And I actually feel like they never do that anymore. Like to do something so blatant as like, dun, 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 with the music telling us that this is an important piece or uh, using that as a way of, of kind of describing it. I, I don't really feel like we see that a lot anymore. Uh, the scene in Sickbay, yeah, that was an interesting scene. And you're right about the music. And they actually did that sort of a variation of that in The Naked Now as well. And they were very liberal about using it. I seem to remember like every five seconds, like someone touches someone and there's like that sort of like, it was kind of like a, almost like a kind of sound. It was like a little bit different, but yeah, they, um, they don't really do that anymore. You know, they don't really use the music and the sound to sort of give you an indication that something is being transmitted. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie, the thing John Carpenter's the thing. 
I have not. Okay, well, it's a—I mean, it's a famous movie where there is like a, a monster that can inf- infect people, and so they're paranoid that you know everyone else is infected, uh, and they're kind of making their plea like it's not me, I'm not infected, whereas you know you're not really sure. Um, and one of the great parts about that movie is that as it gets revealed who is infected, you can kind of go back and be like, oh, that guy went into that room with him. That was when he he was infected. Or, oh, he was in the room with the dog. That was the reason. And I feel like they could have maybe even gone a step further and done stuff like that where you're it's left ambiguous to whether they're infected until uh, slightly later. And I feel like Star Trek has done that in the past. I mean, we might as well not put it off any longer. The famous scene that, uh, you know, uh, probably doesn't need to be debated because it is uh, about as classic as it comes. It's the famous shirtless Sulu scene. And uh, now having it watched it with fresh eyes, Matt, does it warrant the legacy that, that it currently holds? I think the reason why it is so famous is because it's so unusual for Star Trek to have a crewman running amok with no shirt on. It's so bizarre. It's so weird. And it's so unusual. I think that's part of why it's become such a, you know, iconic image, especially of that character, because, you know, Sulu's generally speaking, you know, he's a pretty straight, straight edge kind of guy as far as like, you know, he goes and he does his job and he doesn't really get involved in a lot of other shenanigans, you know? So to have him running around with no shirt on and a fencing foil and challenging people, and I think including the captain at one point, you know, like it's it's pretty out there. And I think that's probably part of the reason why it's endured and it's become such an iconic image of Star Trek. Well, I mean, is the Tasha Yar like a triangle tummy outfit as famous and as uh, classic as shirtless? Sulu, because I mean, that was obviously the the attempt, right? Was they were going to kind of flip it on its head and, and do the same thing. Um, would you think that that's as famous or not? Well, no. And I, I would attribute that to the character not lasting more than a season. Uh, true. I think that if anything, the thing that everybody remembers from the naked now is the fact that Data and Tasha uh, sleep together. That is probably the thing everyone remembers. Are you fully functional? <laughs> That's probably the scene that everyone remembers. In, in, in multiple techniques. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, this is, it, it's great. Like I, sometimes when there are things like this that are so famous and are so well known, they kind of disappoint when you watch them. But this was, this was great fun. I love that he shows up in the, in the turbo lift on the, the, the main bridge. And I love that he goes up some random ladder. Like he's just going off into the, into the rafters or into the Jeffries tubes. This is great. And I think that it warrants every little bit of legacy that, uh, uh, that it, that it has and that it deserves. So I am just enjoying this episode so much, man. I, I think that it's just cruising along nicely. And the only thing that really kind of hammers the brakes for me and, and puts a, a bit of a, a weird coda on the episode really is this planet shrinking side plot uh, was this necessary? Did you even understand what they were trying to go with here? Did you feel like I, that maybe the virus was best just left by itself? Well, they needed something to cause like the dire 
situation at the end where they need to like restart the engines faster than the laws of physics will allow in this planet was i guess what they came up with you know it was i think the whole thing was like it was slowly like imploding on itself which was causing the gravity to fluctuate so i mean they needed that kind of urgency at the end when you know spock had to step in and like figure out how to restart the engines you know in less than 30 minutes so uh i don't know it was it was kind of meh yeah i really feel like they could have probably just done without this it's not needed it's not necessary and to me it was just a little bit confusing it just seemed like we were so focused on this virus this infection and everyone acting drunk but then at the same time they were like oh but the planet's shrinking and we'd only have like seven minutes to solve it and it was just such an unnecessary ticking clock that I think that they could have just done without. The other kind of half to this is Riley. Uh, he makes his way from the uh, sick bay and somehow he gets control of the ship. This is the other half of the section that I don't really necessarily get very much. Uh, he somehow from engineering locks down the doors shuts down the engines but also takes control of the ship when he's drunk now i am the first one to admit that you know people can do you know amazing things sometimes when they're drunk uh, everyone has kind of drunk tale stories but taking over the uh, flagship of uh, starfleet and having nobody be able to reverse it was a little bit strange. Who cares? It was so funny. <laughs> the fact that he was just, you know, slumped down in a chair in the engine room. He was holed up. He had, you know, sealed the doors and all that somehow. And just singing over the intercom. There was also, um, he, he announced to the ship that there would be a formal dance in the ship's bowling alley. Yes. I thought that was hilarious i thought the singing was hilarious i honestly did not it didn't even I, I guess it probably crossed my mind at some point that okay how did he do that but like who cares it was so good it was so funny uh, i just uh, i just completely glossed over it okay right on now i mean on the flip side of things sulu gets shut down almost immediately uh he shows up with the fencing sword and almost immediately spock's just like okay that's it you're done Vulcan nerve pinch, out cold. So we get the kind of the dichotomous uh, approach here, right? Riley, he's taken over the ship and he's locked everyone out. And, and Sulu, he is out. Now, I guess this has to kind of happen because without Sulu, they'll never get the, the vaccine or the cure in time. I, I think that it works really well. One thing quickly, it was, it was Sulu's turn this week to just scream or just, you know, yell while like tied to a bio bed. Yeah, that's we've true. We've talked before about how, you know, they, they would, like, take turns. I think one one episode we've reviewed previously it was Chekhov's turn. Yeah, exactly. You strap them <laughs> down to the bio bed and just, uh, no, no, no. That's that's always a, a, a classic scene. I think that I was mentioning it earlier, and, and I, I, I really do feel that this is such a great episode because the minor characters all have a big uh, part to play. Uh, so Sulu, obviously famous, probably his most famous original series episode. He is uh, the first one to kind of, or third one to go crazy. He's got the shirtless fencing, which is, you know, really well known. You've got Spock, Kirk, McCoy. They're always doing important stuff. 
Uh, I thought that uh, Uhura was really good in this episode because she is one of the people who stays unaffected and she's kind of having to do two or three different jobs on the bridge. Uh, at one point, she even has to jump on the con and like drive the ship, which was really cool to see. Uh, and we get, of course, Scotty here uh, having to basically use his knowledge of the ship in order to use the Jeffrey's tubes and everything to get back into engineering. So this is probably one of the best episodes for everybody getting uh, their fair uh, screen time. Even Nurse Chapel, this is probably one of the episodes that we see her the most as well, which was uh, really appreciated, actually. Well, yeah, and even Yeoman Rand was in it Yeah, a little bit. Uh, she had... What was it that happened to Rand? It wasn't like someone like chasing her in like the corridor and and she was like, he's talking all crazy to me. I don't know what he was talking about. Something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they, she's kind of just plays the, the not the damsel in the stress, but I mean, she's she's playing like the straight character running into uh, all these drunk drunken people which i thought was kind of funny yeah she's like the the sober one at the bar that yes. you know has all the drunk guys hitting on her exactly yeah, yeah. she's the dd yeah <laughs> the, D the designated con officer uh, for their <laughs> night out at the bar yeah yeah it was you're right like they all each of the characters um definitely had a a, a part to play in this uh you know mccoy's got to find the cure and scotty's got to you know, <laughs> cut through that like very very intricately yeah. drawn out pattern on the wall or else if he does if he doesn't you know phaser through the wall in that exact shape it's gonna like cut through like these vital parts of the ship but uh yeah like like everyone everyone's in it yeah remember when the Wii came out and like every game had like some sort of thing where you had to like Oh, you know, yeah. cut around go around <laughs> a certain shape that's what that reminded me of yeah yeah that's pretty much what it was yeah Except he was doing it with a hand phaser. Yeah, and this is, uh, speaking of minor characters getting a major role, this is the famous scene where Nurse Chapel proclaims her love for Spock, which inevitably gets him infected. But uh, I had forgotten that this was so early. This was something that I think is mentioned kind of on and off throughout the series that Nurse Chapel has kind of a thing for Spock. And so this is kind of the spot where she, now that she has no inhibition, she's going to just let her, you know, shoot her shot here. Just going for it. Going for that, going for that green-blooded Vulcan. Yeah, and what were your thoughts on the on the scene? It wasn't terrible, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of cliche, I guess. You know, she basically professes her love and he's like, well, I could never love you back or whatever. And But see, once he gets infected, uh, this... Well... Yeah, th this is the this is the the time where we get to see Nimoy Spock doing his Zachary Quinto Spock impression. Yeah, pretty much. When he's crying and he's so upset, I sometimes wonder maybe Zachary Quinto. He was actually he he was doing some research, but he only had time to watch like this episode, and so he based his entire performance off of uh, the last fifteen minutes of uh, the Naked Time. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Spock certainly showed the same level of emotion that Quinto seemed to uh, put into his Spock. For so yeah, maybe this was like the only, you know, he, his his like manager or whatever called him like the day before, and they're like, "Hey, I got you this wicked audition for you know Mr. Spock," and he's like, "What? Who?" Yeah, and then he just sort of like Googled Mr. Spock and and watched the you know, <laughs> watch that one scene. Yeah, there we go. Uh, now, speaking of kind of the last 15 minutes, there's a lot to wrap up here and we don't have a lot of time. The original series was 
horrible at this. Uh, we've seen this a lot, actually, even just on our very small sample size here on RTR. We have Spock is showing emotion. We have Scotty needing to start the ship in 30 minutes, but he only has eight minutes. We have Kirk basically just <laughs> throwing his hands in the air and panicking. We've got Bones discovering that uh, the molecule that they picked up from the planet was actually the thing that was causing everybody to go crazy. So he has to create a vaccine, but he doesn't have enough time. Uh, and so this all happens way too close to the end. And unfortunately, a lot of what I was just saying at the beginning where I was saying, oh, you know, they did such a great job with the pacing and the slow burn. I almost need to take some of it back because they almost burned it so slow that they put the fire out here. Uh, the end here is is a little bit too rapid for me. Yeah, it's a lot to wrap up, and it took a little bit. They didn't quite leave themselves enough time to to really do a good job with it because it's just like boom, 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 and then it's it's over. So it, yeah, it, and we've talked about this before. The, the The original series is sort of notorious for this. They, they sort of started off nice and easy, nice and slow, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, we only have like four minutes of runtime left? Well, we got to fix all this. We got to finish all this, and we got to do it in four minutes. Yeah, it's, it's like going to like a five-star, five-course dinner, and, you know, the first hour and a half, you're getting your salad and your soup, and then they come and say, well, your reservation's only like got 20 more minutes left, and here's the main course, and the... Uh, Dessert the rest of it. Yeah, and you just have to snarf it all down and get end up with a bellyache. I also feel like the original series episodes, they're about 10 minutes too long. So the runtime for this one was about 50 minutes, 30, 50 minutes, 40. And that last 10 minutes, I have to admit, it was just kind of dragging on me, uh, especially since the only thing that we're introduced to is they, they fire up the engines in miraculous fashion. They're able to reverse away. And we get this insane, bizarro time warp, like the odometer of the Star Trek Enterprise is now going in reverse and they've gone back three days and they're all confused, but they get to relive it. And I'm so confused. I really wish that this part had just been kind of cut away and we had been given kind of a cheesy wrap up to to it about 10 minutes prior the time warp thing was a little bit odd came kind of out of nowhere like spock spock you know kirk like basically tries to like literally slap some sense into him to get him to be able to figure out okay how are we going to restart the engine so we don't crash on this planet and then somehow he just like i don't know if it was because he was under the influence he was suddenly able to figure out how to travel through time Okay. I mean, I don't know. Do you know any friends like that, that when they get drunk, like they, <laughs> well, just, they make mind-boggling physics uh, <laughs> discoveries? They think they can, I suppose. Or maybe that's uh, it. Yes. Maybe it's because Spock is a Vulcan. When you take away the inhibition and the logic and stuff, then he becomes like, you know, there's nothing. He's like limitless, the pill, you know? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what we're supposed to take from this, is that if you like get a Vulcan under the influence... There's nothing they cannot figure out how to do. Yeah, so next time they run into trouble, they need to crack open the Romulan ale and just pump it into the nearest Vulcan. Hopefully they can solve the problem. Imagine how quickly Voyager could have returned to yeah, the Alpha exactly. Quadrant if Janeway had just like been like, here, Tobak, have some uh, have some rum. 
Yeah, that's that is true. That is a, that is very much a Superman, uh, you know, reversing the Earth's p- p- spin. Remember in Superman one where uh, he can't save Lois Lane and all the people, so he just turns the Earth back. It's kind of like, well, why don't you just do that every time then, <laughs> right? Uh, I kind of think like it's the same thing here, right? Well, just get uh, Spock loaded and he can figure it all out. That being said, <laughs> the inevitable bones solving the mystery of everybody's ailment and curing it uh, was actually pretty well done. So I, I, I must say that from that perspective, I was pretty happy with the episode. How about you? I liked how he like ripped Kirk's uh, sleeve to like give him the hypo, even though you could go through clothes. totally un- <laughs> totally unnecessary. I wonder how many like like how many of uh, Kirk's costumes had like that exact rip, you know, right out of the shoulder, or maybe they just had one and they just used it over and over again. Maybe yeah, it's like Velcro. Yeah, because like he he was like constantly getting like that one like the right shoulder of his uniform just ripped right off. Yeah, William Shatner just doing a lot of bicep curls, but just the one arm. <laughs> shoulder shoulder presses. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah, just with his right arm. Yeah, gotta show it off. All right, Matt, let's uh, jump into some cast and character stuff here. Uh, there is a couple of guest stars here, and I feel like we've already kind of covered them, but I thought it might be a good idea just to go through and do a, a quick rundown. Uh, what were your thoughts on, I know what you're going to say, pretty obvious, but what were your thoughts on Bruce Hyde's portrayal of Lieutenant Kevin Thomas Riley? I loved it. It was hilarious. Um, I thought the act, like the acting was good. I mean, he... Certainly was a convincing, uh, not happy, but just sort of, uh, you know, gregarious drunk that just, you know, wants to have a good time. In addition to the bowling alley, I remember um, one other thing he said that made me laugh. At one point, someone did something that he didn't like. I forget what it was. And he said, no ice cream for, for I think it was Spock, <laughs> did something. And so over the intercom, he's like, no, no ice cream, Mr. Spock. Very good. Yeah, I know. I thought it was pretty, pretty good. He was a pretty good, pretty convincing uh drunk yeah he is uh you know kind of maybe he was the template for miles o'brien who knows right the the super proud irishman yeah and i feel like he was in a bunch a couple of other episodes the other uh character that we got here was uh nurse chapel so that's obviously major barrett um and we did talk about how this was her first appearance and one of the bigger roles i feel like she probably had on original series what were your thoughts on nurse chapel okay riley was in one other episode so i'm totally wrong about that nurse chapel uh you know it's it's a bit surprising that this is her first appearance but um pretty pretty good you know she played i think she played that sort of um you know yearning drunk pretty well you know in that scene with mr spock so yeah pretty pretty good in this episode i thought okay yeah i mean i think that we've talked about nurse chapel before and i think that yeah i mean it's majel right we we love majel which she can't really do wrong so uh i think that's that well yes she can <laughs> tried to slip that by you but maybe not maybe not during this era but she certainly can do wrong. yeah christine chapel couldn't do wrong loxwana uh, yeah she could definitely spoil some episodes for sure uh, next up is, I think I've probably been miss saying this, uh, Joe Tormelin, Lieutenant Joe Tormelin, which was Stuart Moss. What were your thoughts on, uh, on Joe? I thought he was pretty good too. Uh, that scene in the mess, in, in the, the rec room or galley, whatever you want to call it, where he was getting all existential and, you know, talking about the dangers of 
space travel and and how humans don't belong there i thought that was you know i thought it was pretty good like there wasn't really any any acting or anything like that in this episode in general that it was really uh like really bad or, or anything like that like i thought it was it's pretty good all around but but yeah joe was was good too yeah and the only other kind of uh characters were william knight he was the uh the crewman that was basically uh hitting on yeoman rand and then there was laughing crewman, which I mean, that is just hilarious that out there somewhere, uh, somebody has on their resume laughing crewman. And that was a guy named George Bella. Do you have anything to say about those guys or are we happy to move on? Only that I liked that they kind of had those like sort of characters in the background that were just sort of doing silly things for no reason. Like. I don't know if this was laughing crewman or if it was someone else, but you know, there was that guy with the, that was walking around with the paintbrush and he was just painting yeah. all these like bizarre phrases on the walls and stuff. I like that they had those sort of background characters just because I mean, that's if you're at a bar full of drunk people, like that's there, there are those kinds of characters just sort of lurking around doing strange things um, or just laughing or just being goofy. Right. So I thought, that, I thought it was cool that they had those sort of, people in the back right and it shows that people were infected like off screen yeah exactly yeah it showed that the, the you know the whole ship was sort of in turmoil yeah now let's jump into some production notes because i think the very first thing off the bat is one of the more interesting pieces and is up for debate in terms of the ending of the episode so this was originally supposed to be a two-parter and the enter enterprise at the end was going to go back in time now they scrapped that idea and eventually saved it for tomorrow is yesterday. Do you think that maybe that's the reason we get that weird uh, time warp kind of thing that we get? Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's exactly, I think, why they sort of went to this idea that Spock is going to figure out how to time warp. Because there's no other reasonable explanation for how, why would they, they would come up with that. Tomorrow is Yesterday is not one that I'm sort of familiar with off the top of my head. It's not one I've seen much, so I don't really remember what happens in it. Isn't that the one they go back in time and it's like the 60s and the Air Force like intercepts them, I think, or something? I don't remember exactly, but that would be my guess if it was an episode that I had picked. But yeah, I think that they probably could have just ended this episode a lot better and a lot easier with the infection being cured and then Kirk saying something sassy as everyone sits around. Yeah. I think it would, I think maybe if they had sort of introduced some sort of countdown, whereas like, well, if you're infected for X amount of time, then you die. Right. Like the Joe guy. Yeah. Like, or, or it just, it just causes brain damage. And if they don't cure it within a certain amount of time, then you just lose all your brain function and you die. Something like that might've been a little bit more, um, would have been more sort of in tune with the episode versus this kind of weird time warp thing. Well, I mean, that's a, a perfect kind of transition into our next point, which is that, you know, if we're seeing some of these uh, problems and there's kind of a couple things with the episode that aren't sitting well with us, if you fast forward, you know, almost 20 years, do they fix it? in the Next Generation episode, The Naked Now, because I kind of feel like we can't really talk about either of these episodes without at least bringing up the other one. And so, I mean, this is as good a time as any to talk about The Naked Now. Is that a satisfying sequel 
to this episode. And if you don't remember it, then I can talk about it anyway. I, I remember it. I've watched it many okay. times. I, I love that episode. Okay. I know that it's not, it's not generally well-liked, but I think it's hilarious. I think there's, and I think it's partly because as we mentioned right off the top, I mean, we're both products of nineties Trek. And so, I mean, I mean, if you really sit and sort of compare they're very, very, very much the same. Yeah. Wes Wesley holds himself up in engineering and takes control of the ship instead of Riley. Tasha is basically like the nurse chapel who, and, and mixed with Sulu because she's got the provocative outfit and she sleeps with Data. Yeah, I mean, it's like they took the basic elements and then they, they applied it to the next generation and they just cranked it up as loud as it would go. And um, I... I I just think it comes off like it, it goes over so well because all the character, like all the main characters get infected pretty quickly. And they're like, you know, even Captain Picard, who's like one of the most straight, straight characters in all of Star Trek is just acting completely goofy for a good part of, part of the episode. I mean, I think The Naked Now is a great sequel to it. Um, even though the even though it's very much the same story, they've just sort of changed a few pieces uh, of it. You know, they they find a ship that's infected instead of a planet, and but I I think it's a great sequel to it. I I quite I I actually was going to try to find time to watch it be, just for fun, since we picked the Naked Time. Yeah, I did love how in the Naked Now, when they find the ship, it looks as if there's been like a massive rager party. That's been going on. Um, But now that you mention it, and as I'm kind of thinking about it, I actually kind of in the back of my mind remember that weren't all of the people on the ship killed. They were all like frozen, similar to the way that the bodies were frozen in the beginning of this episode. So maybe that is that's the ticking clock, right? That if you if the virus goes long enough, eventually you try to like freeze yourself or something. Is that ringing a bell to you, Matt, or not really? My recollection is that on the, what happened on that ship is someone like blew the airlock. And that's, and that's what froze why they them. were all frozen. Oh, okay. Yeah. They just got too crazy with their partying and somebody was like, yeah. Or, or, or maybe it was like someone blew out an airlock. And so the environmental systems like shut down. And so everything just got super cold. Yeah. But you are definitely right that when they boarded that ship, like everyone was like frozen, just like in this one. Right, which is a nice little tie-in. Well, like I like I like I said, I mean, it's it's very much the same story. They just sort of changed a few little details. Yeah, um, I mean, this was obviously a uh, a famous enough episode. It was also mentioned in the episode Relics, which was, of course was the episode where Scotty. Uh, gets taken out of that beam and goes to the Enterprise. I guess there's a line of dialogue where he mentions it uh, when he's in 10 forward. Uh, The other nice little tie-in here, or maybe it is, uh, is that Shirtless Sulu is so famous and so popular that it was actually seen in the Short Trek episode, Ephraim and Dot. Do you remember watching that particular Short Trek, Matt? I did watch it. I don't remember much from it because I didn't, think it was that good i thought that ephraim and dot thing was the biggest piece of hot garbage in the midday sun that i have ever seen that was absolutely trash uh, that kind of uh wraps up our uh discussion on the naked time so matt do you have 
any uh, favorite quotes or memorable scenes or anything that you would like to uh, kind of put into the record banks as your favorite part of the episode? Uh, just Riley and engineering. I, I thought that that was so good. Like, like just it was good that they he just sang through the whole thing. I thought it was so funny. Um, if we're going to talk about lines, I mean, there wasn't really anything else as far as like one liners or zingers or anything. But uh, I think if I were to have to, to be made to to pick something out, I'll go with the uh, the formal da- dance in the bowling alley. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think it's pretty cool that they the ship has a bowling alley too. Yeah, I feel like I remember reading that on one of the uh, you know ship synopsis or schematics or something like that. It's it's one of those things you can you can spot out, which is kind of cool. Um, my favorite quote is actually a weird one. I think that it's probably the first time that's ever said, but it is Scotty saying, "I cannot break the laws of physics." I just kind of feel like that's such a classic. And considering this is so early, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that maybe it was the first time that we ever get to hear Scotty say that. So um, that is my quote for this week. Very good, very classic. Cla- you can't go wrong with a classic. Now, uh, Matt, that's it. The naked time is over. We got to put our clothes back on, and you've got to give us your final <laughs> thoughts. And a rating out of five shirtless Sulus. I found my uniform. I'll put it back on now. Uh, this is uh, this is one that's got quite a quite a pedigree as far as like you know the most famous episodes and like you say we talked about the the famous Sulu shirtless uh, scene, which I think is part of the reason for that. But uh, you know the, this is pretty pretty good stuff. I mean it's it's interesting. There's a bit of suspense where at the beginning where we're not really sure how the virus is spread or what exactly is going on. They do a good job of sort of making it a little bit subversive and not very obvious, you know, so they're not like bludgeoning you over the head with it. And uh, I thought the middle parts were hilarious with the crew, you know, acting drunk and crazy and throwing their inhibitions to the wind. You know, the the only thing that really kind of took away from this for me was the end. I mean, I didn't really mind the whole like secondary plot where like the ship is like in this, you know, degrading orbit. I thought it gave urgency to the episode and and sort of set up this ticking clock that they had to that they had to beat. So I'm going to go with um, four shirtless Sulus out of five. Um, This is one that I certainly think is really, really good. But uh, like I mentioned earlier, there is there's a very small handful of original series episodes that to me are like classic five five out of five episodes and i mean this one's pretty close but it's not quite there right on well i am going to disagree with you but then turn around and give you the same score so um to me that whole side plot with the shrinking planet and the ticking clock wasn't necessary i think that the ending where they go back three days in the time warp was just kind of stupid and took away from it if this episode was 40 minutes long instead of 50 and they had cut that out 100%, I would have given it five out of five stars. It has classic moments. It's funny. It has some serious pieces. You get to see all the crew doing their own little piece, uh, which I love to see. And it would have totally been a five out of five. Unfortunately, we get that stupid time warp thing. We get it dragging on a little bit too long. And the way that we wrap up the episode where Spock and Kirk and McCoy have to kind of do this uh, whirlwind uh, thing. It just takes it away from me, and and the last 10 minutes really drag. So I'm going to go with four shirtless Sulus out of five as well.
All right, everybody, that is the red alert siren, which means, of course, it is time to draw out a fresh episode of Star Trek for Matt to recall. Uh, Matt, you have any preferences, any hopes, any dreams this week, or are you just going to be happy to watch more Star Trek? I feel like we are overdue for a Voyager episode. Ooh, a little Voyager. Yeah, I could definitely go with some Voyager. Uh, I'll reach deep down into the uh, the Russian sable hat of episodes. Make sure it's not a rat hat. <laughs> the difference is negligible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, okay, you're, we're not on Voyager, but we're in that time period, at least. We are back on uh, The Good Deep Space Nine, Season 3, Episode 16. You're getting a little help here. It is Profit Motive. So I figure that you probably can guess what kind of, which main character is going to be featured prominently, but maybe not. That's in Season 3. It's Season 3, Episode 16. I think I know which one this is. It seems like, I'm pro- maybe I'm wrong, but it seems, Season 3 seems kind of early for this one. All right, well, Matt's going to collect his thoughts while you at home probably pause the podcast and uh, write down some ideas yourself. Is there any quotes? Is there any guest stars? Uh, what are the plot, the A plot, the B plot? Uh, Matt, do you think you're ready? I, th- I think I know which one it is, but I'm starting to second guess myself. But I'm just going to go for it and hope for the best. Sometimes, I think that like uh, if memory serves me correctly, if you're ever unsure when you're doing a test or anything like that, the best thing to do is to go with your gut. Guts it is. Okay. Uh, and uh, your 60 seconds starts right now. Okay. I believe this is an episode. You're going to love this, Andrew, where Grand Nagus Zek uh, goes through the wormhole to the Gamma Quadrant. And when he returns, he comes back with a very curious set of rules of acquisition, which like go completely counter to the the old rules and you know quark and rom and the other ferengi are very puzzled they're very strange and the grand nagus is you know he's like giving out money to orphans and handing out bars of latinum to people like you know poor people on the promenade and they're all very puzzled by this and in the end it turns out that the uh, the wormhole aliens have like influenced him as he was going through the wormhole and and they're trying to like teach him a lesson and so he you know is that's where he came up with all these crazy new rules. And um, once, once they sort of figure out, you know, and they've learned their lesson, he uh, he comes back to his senses and he changes everything back. And um, I'm sure there's some sort of strange B story involving like uh, Kira and uh, the occupation. That's all I remember. And you're out of time. Yeah, that's the one, I think. It's... Uh... It does seem a little early to me as well, but I am about 99% sure that you're correct. This is the one where we get the fresh rules of acquisition. I'm wiping my brow in, uh, in relief. The, to be honest with you, <laughs> I, I, I'm not super excited for this one. I, you know that I'm not a big Grand Mega Zek fan. And he's very heavily, uh, you know, sh- shown in this particular episode. So, yeah, this might be a bit of a slog for me to get through. And I feel like, didn't we just have a Ferengi episode? Yeah, we did. The Bar Association only two episodes ago. So we are getting lots of Ferengi this season. But uh, on the plus side, I think that you are right on the money there with your analysis and your prediction on 
profit motive. So uh, make sure that uh, you check back with us uh, in about two weeks' time, and uh, we will review the Deep Space Nine episode, Profit Motive. So long, folks. Bye-bye. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, (laughs) which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, Mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like about, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped and then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this, yeah, a little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Voyages, a Star Trek original, animated, and Kelvin Films podcast. Full honesty, I did find that the scene was seemingly long when they were driving with him and and Scotty to get to the Enterprise when they were in their little capsule. I felt that that was a very long scene driving around the whole Enterprise. But find yourself someone in life that looks at you the way Kirk looked at the Enterprise. I mean, that was a beautiful moment. And I absolutely adored when Spock came back onto the Enterprise. Just how everybody on the bridge, like Yuhura and Chekhov and everybody, they just kind of rallied around him. And it was a really warming moment just to see that original core group of people just celebrate him and happy to see him. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.